Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 103. We are discussing the Turkish Airlines Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Bank System, and with me we have Golf Bank System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you? I'm right. Week off for me. No pressure for me, mate. All the pressure's on you. Yeah, what's what's all that about then? Why's the, why's the PGA Tour decided to take a breather for no apparent reason? Um, I'd guess that you know they they went South Korea, didn't they? They then went to uh, they then went to Japan. They then went to uh, China last week. Mm. Uh, they had uh, they started was it three weeks earlier this year with the with the what they classify yeah, as the wraparound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And clearly someone's actually had the sense to say, well, can we have a week's break? Because it's not yeah, easy of... getting from China or Japan to Mexico. And... A lot of travelling, I suppose. Yeah, Makes a level of sense. But yeah, yeah. good. It's very well, yeah, rare I... for the PGA Tour to have a break. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. It uh, gives you a chance to recharge the batteries and attack those final two weeks. See if you can make it seven weeks out of seven in profit for your uh, selections. Which we'll give nice it a go. I'm already thinking about Marco, but I might we might have a little bit of thinking time later in the pod. Right, mm. golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul is available on Twitter at Golf Betting. I'm available at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I have already manufactured, produced and released the show for the Turkish Airlines Open. I will place it in the description box of this podcast. This podcast is available on a myriad of different uh, podcast channels. I'm not even going to start listing them out. What I will say, though, is, as I say every week, it would be fantastic if you take the time to log into your Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. Um, It really is our currency. The amount of uh, ratings and reviews you get just really does boost the visibility with Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And that helps then in terms of giving them the ability to put you in various different rankings and ratings so that people can find you. So it's really important to get as many reviews as we can. Now, with that in mind, as I say as well, you leave one, I will always read it out, good or bad. And we have read out bad ones in the past. We had one put last week, Paul, from Ian Lawrence, okay. who uh, is in the United Kingdom like we are. He gave us five stars. Ian, we really appreciate uh, your feedback. Thank you. He, he wrote, great podcast. Always look forward to my Tuesday fix. He sounds like a drug addict. If you're addicted <laughs> to this podcast, you really have got mental issues. <laughs> That's a joke. Very informative and takes all the hard work away trying to figure out what player to back. Keep up the good work, lads. And that is from Ian Lawrence. Thank you, Ian. Uh, we appreciate your time and uh, the effort. This is this. I, I saw um, Lewis Hamilton uh, at the weekend going on about how he appreciates everyone that takes just a little, little bit of their day to give him feedback on his tweets and Instagram. And he said, even the bad ones, because at the end of the day, they've taken they've taken a couple of minutes to take time to give me abuse. And that's fine. I can handle that. Mm. It's, yeah, it does. You know, people take time to actually give you some feedback. I think you have to just say thank you. 
and yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks, Ian. And, and you're right, yeah, it's, it's always nice to get positive and negative stuff. And we go into this stretch now, once the uh, Dubai World Championship's done, where we just work on a few things ready for the start of the next season. So if you've got thoughts or ideas or things that you'd like us to talk about or discuss or to include in the website, or stats or whatever, then, uh, then contact us, Twitter, Facebook comment on one of these pods whatever and we can uh, we can add it all into the mix over the next few weeks while Steve and I work on the uh, on the plan for 2020 and how we're going to find copious amounts of winners well that's well worth like. noting actually um a golf betting system you know golf now is 12 months a year and ridiculously especially on the european tour um they'll have the dp world tour championship in a fortnight's time and they will hand over the race to Dubai ties. So everyone will go, ah, oh, the European Tour has finished. And then the next week, the new season starts. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, effectively, Paul would never get any time off at all. Any time to, you know, strategize, do all of the kind of hygiene work that you need to do to keep all your databases, everything up to scratch build new pages for next year on the website. So we effectively take December off, don't we? Yeah. In terms of the golf betting yeah. website. And, and rightly or wrongly, but I think it's the right thing to do. Otherwise, we... Uh, Go mad. As you say, yeah, it's, uh, you, you'd never make any progress. And the mad thing is, they, they go straight into a double header the first week of um, the new season. So they're playing in the uh, Alfred Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek, and they're playing the same week in the Hong Kong Open. So not oh only... Yeah, not only are they starting um, the, the following week after Dubai, but they're starting with two concurrent events Crazy. as well, which is absolute madness. Absolute That's madness. one thing you say about the PGA Tour. They do take December off. Uh, so, yes, Hong Kong Open, a couple of these events down in South Africa, Golf Betting System won't be covering it. There won't be a podcast. There won't be any of our videos or anything. We'll have December off. We will be back the first week of January for the uh, Century, I think it is, Tournament of Champions mm. on the PGA Tour. And then we'll be back each and every week ongoing. So that's that one cleared up. Um, last week's golf. Um, it was pretty much after well, the first nine holes on Thursday, you'd been watching Rory if you'd been up at sort of 1am and you'd been going, oh my God, he's two over. Yeah. I think he was two over at one point, I saw in the yeah. highlights. A bit like Tiger, was three over, three, three the previous yeah. week, wasn't he? And then all of a sudden, you could just see it started to click. Mm. Great head-to-head with him and um, with him and Brooks kept polite, wasn't it, with Xander? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm pleased that Rory won because Xander was one of those players that I was um, in an iron about and we talked about him in Britain. Well, surely he'd week. have been your win-only bet if you hadn't yeah. gone with Matsuami. Yeah, exactly. And it was only a case of, you know... Do, do you pick the defending champion? And we, we chatted about it last week, didn't we, as to whether that kind of scenario would be something that turns Xander on. You know, does he does he want to cross that off his list and become a, a player who's proven that he can go out and defend a, a tournament and particularly one of a stature of a WGC like that? And clearly it did. It clearly in, in, enticed him, clearly got him you know, into a position where um, I thought he was going to win, actually. I thought he, he was the one who had the momentum coming into the last few holes and, uh, you know, made his way into the playoff. But um, those two shots in the playoff for Rory just uh, just nailed it, didn't they? And uh, that's what he's all about. When he's, when he's striking the ball as well as that, um, uh, attacking those par fives, and, yeah, that's, 
yeah. outstanding, isn't it? And uh, yeah, no, but great, great head to head. Yeah, I agree. It was a decent event to uh, to watch, watch bits of at least uh, with the time difference, which was uh, always tricky with those kind of events, isn't it? Sander got so, a little bit too much fade on his drive, then he got yeah. awkward stance, and that was pretty much game over. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah, I mean, made the putt for birdie, but um, yeah. Well. This is it. This is what you get with Xander, isn't it? He literally just does peak for events of the very highest grade. Um, I think what you said last week about if you if you fancy there's a reason why he'll go well, then you know he, he, you're never going to get him at a, a long backable price. Now he's going to be one of these uh, relatively short prices, you know, even in the majors. He's a win only bet. He's a win only bet. Yeah, because he, you know, I, I think last week was. It's got an odd situation where he's actually placed, but that was because he was absolutely going for the win. Generally, if he's sitting in eighth or tenth place going into, you know, the, the pivotal holes, foots off the accelerator, he's not one who's going to backdoor a top five or a top seven. I don't think and get you a, an each way payout. I think he's a, as you said last week, a win only proposition moving forward. So, what do you make of Matsuama? Clearly. <laughs> Frustrating, frustrating oh, last shoot, week. Shoot, the way he started, he shot three over, and then the rest of the tournament kind of he, yeah. w- he would have been absolutely neck and neck with McElroy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's you know if you, you'd have put a decent, it'd have had to be a sixty-five or something like that first round to really put him in with a chance of winning. But even so, he uh, yeah after that first round, he he was really strong. He's he's close, isn't he? There's there's not much, and as we know, it's extremely fine lines in this game anyway, but. Um, he's not far away at all from uh, hitting top, top form. And perhaps that will coincide with the President's Cup and perhaps that's where his focus really is. But, well, uh, yeah, the tournament where this all could come to a head is Tiger's challenge in uh, the Bahamas. Because mm. he's playing, I believe. Justin Thomas is playing. It was interesting. I read an interview from Thomas after he'd won the CJ Cup and they said to him, what kind of mini goals have you got? He said, well, I want to win the uh, Tiger event. Because it's something I've performed in really badly in the past. And he said, it's an absolutely easy golf course that I should destroy. Mm. So, yeah, JT's probably going to be going off what? Well, favourite, I would have thought. Well, 18 man field as well. It's it's one of those ones where the odds are horrific, isn't it? Oh, they are. But that's the kind of thing that Matt's... Because John Rahm won it last year, didn't he? After, you know, he was going off at like 8-1 to to win the DP World Tour Championship. Didn't do it. And then all of a sudden... Comes out at Tigers tournament at like seven to one in a fourteen man field, and lo and behold, he goes and wins. Yeah. So you could see Matsuama doing that. Yeah, I think he's got a winning him and a winning him and over the next certainly the next few months, if not the next few weeks. But, uh, I he but, won't be playing any more PGA Tour golf this year. That's a dead cert because you mm. won't you won't find Matsuama in Mexico next week or at the Sea Island RSM Classic. No. That's not going to no. happen. So. You might find he plays somewhere in Japan. Might play the Dunlop Phoenix, which is coming up soon. Might yeah. win something internally at two to one or something. He's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a horrifically short price, isn't it? <laughs> Horrific, if, he, yeah. if he turns up to one of those events. But yeah, he's close. And Hatton was another one who flat to deceive, wasn't he? The cracking final round to uh, to really crucify his price for this week. But um, again, it just didn't really happen the first three days, and then produces a sixty-five and. You know, his 14th place finish, um, when you look at the record books, looks like he's rounding into some form. So, yeah, 
yeah, frustrating. But I know you you got to say uh, a bit of the bit of the action again last week. As I said, that's the fifth consecutive week where you've produced a profit from your uh, selection. So well done. I'm um, a cracking effort. You've got to you've got to constantly um, evolve in this game, haven't you? And yeah. um, I'm just doing different things than I used to do. And lo and behold, all of a sudden you get a bit more consistency on your picks, a bit more confidence around who, what, how you're actually selecting. Mm. Um, and those opposite field events, the alternate, you know, those alternate events, they they are a graveyard. <laughs> I, I've had, I've, I don't think I've placed for quite a while. I think it was Corrales last year, so I've had about six or seven of them where I've got nowhere near. Mm. Um, so it was interesting to have Brian Gay right up in the mix. I think Gay's the sort. Um, clearly four-time PGA Tour winner, but I just get the feeling that he's got a mental block now when it comes to winning. So he off, he can he can get in the places, and at forty to one, you'll take the each way payout. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. Definitely. Especially when you had some players beneath him in the market that were crazily short in price. Mm. But I just don't think he's got enough to actually win a tournament. There's always someone, either one of these younger guys that wins their first event, or in this, I mean, Brendan Todd, where did that final round come from? Oh, man. Outstanding. Outstanding. Birdie Barrage, wasn't it? There was a little bit with Todd, wasn't there? He finished second at one of those Corn Ferry events back in Yeah, the the, the one they play on the very classical Ohio State golf course. That's that's got very good winners and sort of... Top top players come to the yeah to the nationwide chi- nationwide children's I think it was wasn't it mm-hmm. so um, yeah so finished second there so there's a little bit of flash of form and then twenty eighth uh, last time out at yeah you Houston. forget the miscut 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 oh, yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then at Houston twenty eighth yeah and that's that's, that's where right. yeah there was something there wasn't it two two decent rounds yeah I I, I flicked back through because it was a decent price as well hundred to one I think in spots I'd flick back through his. Um, his form over the last few years just to get a feel as to what he'd been doing and um, it was there's nothing there is there there's, you know other than what we've just talked about the rest of it is a lot of trials and tribulations yeah yeah I, the, when, the, the last... hit, I think it was 2013 don't shoot me if I'm wrong it was 2012 2013 he hit the tour didn't he and he, he he won and he had one of those hot periods where every week Brendan Todd was in the top five and fifth mm. here sixth there and everyone's going this guy's a good player yeah. And then slowly that kind of disappeared, and then he went through a terrible period where he had the yips. Apparently, couldn't hit the ball, didn't know what he was doing with his swing, couldn't place on the corn ferry. Slowly but surely, he's found some confidence. Yeah, but Big um, star. you know, for, yeah. it, I, if you look at those two tournaments last week, HSBC was a bombers GIR ball striking. Paradise, yeah. wasn't it? In the end, yeah. big hitters, you know, and, and that's kind of where that Shazam course seems to have. That's where it's settled now. Yeah. We'll say that and next year's short hit or win it. Like yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just chip the chip and putt. I think Bermuda was completely the opposite. It was a short golf course where actually the small, the sh- small, the shorter hitters, like a Brendan Todd, meant nothing. Mm. Did not because, as we said, there was two par fives which were effectively long par four, so everyone's going in there and can reach. And it actually became a pure short game putting contest. Mm. So you know we can we can take that forward for next year. We've got a bit more information about the golf course. We know yep. that twenty two under, twenty five under is attainable. And, and this so book, to this actually Bermuda... get a full place out of that at forty to one, I was more than happy. 
Yeah, no, it's good. This, is, this Bermuda Championship is, uh, is is a fixture for the next few years. Then, oh, I yeah. I mean, the field was shocking. We know that. I think the PGA Tour do need to do something with the rulings because you know there was a lot of stuff on Twitter about players of the ilk of uh, you know decent corn fairy players, someone like a Roberto Diaz that had been contending on PGA Tour recent, fairly recently, and was an alternate. And some of the players that are in that field, well, you know. They hadn't played for on the main tour for years. No. So there's something about the the fact that they prioritise past winner status over and above any other sort of um, lower status that needs to be looked at for these mm. um, opposite field events. Because it devalues the PGA Tour product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's there's young and capable people on on these kind of secondary and tertiary tours, who you should yeah. be. Should, should Guys that couldn't keep to. their card last year, but you're actually you're actually putting Gary Nicholas in the field or Ted mm. Purdy. That's all wrong, isn't it? Really? Yeah. And you've got guys like Omar, your old mate Omar. <laughs> a lot of these guys are actually saying, "No, I can't. I'm not playing." And they were actually turning down the 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 um the invite to play. Yeah. There's something wrong with that. But uh, yeah, they've signed. I think it's a five-year agreement for that Bermuda Championship, so it's not going away. No, no, okay. It's good, as you say. It's nice when you've got a course and an event where there is something to grab onto in terms of it being. You know, there's some characteristics to it which mm. can lead you down a quite a defined path. And as you say, the short hitters, good putters. I mean, the, the, as you said, the bird is. What do you get? Seven on the trot, I think. Todd on the front line. Oh, it's crazy. And that's the thing, you know, at these kind of mid-levels of golf, like uh, a lot of the European Tour events that you deal with um, and these lower events on the PGA Tour, it's always a case of, or often the case of, you've got a lot of guys near the lead who are just effectively passing passing the wind to each other and eventually it falls in someone's lap. <laughs> it was it was good to see yeah. Brendan Todd say, no, nah, you're right, lads, I'll take this. Yeah, and he was like, seven my... shots, clear. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take this win. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was nice of Brian, actually, to uh, shoot a a very good number on the harder nine because I thought Mm. it was going to be one of those nightmare scenarios, even though I was out out at a family party, so I wasn't actually tracking any of this. And when I got back at about 8 o'clock, Brian Gay was T2. I thought, well, that's fantastic. I didn't realise that he'd gone as low as, like, T11. Yeah, it uh, it dipped out of the places after a few bogeys, and then uh, yeah, it, it, it a few four. of those. It was a few of those. Oh, good God, I, I can't win an event, and then he <laughs> eventually got his head around that he wasn't going to win and started playing well again. Yeah, you look at the leaderboard and realise that Todd's now ten shots ahead of you, and uh, it's, it, you can get back to your game. And yeah, deep yeah, breath. Oh well. yeah, I can start playing properly. Yeah, yeah. made four but, on the uh, trip Birdie, himself, birdie, birdie. Okay, but how many times have you got players that just collapse in the final round and bring you? It's just nice to wake up on a Sunday, I find, with a chance of someone actually winning a tournament. Yeah, that's all, you, that's all you want, isn't it? And that's what yeah. players say. All I want is a chance on Sunday to win, and that's what they aim for. It's the same with the betting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Put yourself in position to get a, get a result, and uh, Sunday come you know come what come what may, see what happens. Now you're talking great segue, Paul. You're talking about an event. Um, where you can get a handle on things and they play it for a, num- a same course for a number of years. We've actually got with this Turkish Airlines Open this year, they, they're they going back to a course that they played between 2013 and 2015, I believe. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So you've actually got something to work with this year. 
yeah, in terms which of this you, golf course and, you and don't just always the kind get of players the... that you've been looking for for this week. It's yeah. a good event, isn't it? Before we start, can you just mm. talk listeners through where we're at with this race to Dubai scenario now? Because we've now got Rory McIlroy in the mix as well, I believe, after last week. Well, we have, yeah. I mean, if you look, you look at the uh, you look at the top ten, Bernd Wiesberger's the still still the leader. I mean, I backed him last week, and uh, it was a pretty much a no show, wasn't it? It just didn't didn't do anything for the four days. Yeah. Um, but he's still got a healthy healthy lead over John Rahm. Rahm's not playing this week, and he's not in the list to play next week. So the only event that he will play will be the Earth yeah. Course. Right. Okay. And if Wiesberger gets himself a couple of decent results this week and next. He could be home and dry. He he, he could be clear of um, insurmountable. Yeah. I, I mathematically, I can't see yeah. why or who could catch him if he were to have two outstanding weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's clearly got to be the the target for him. Shane Lowry um, plays this week. Shane Lowry doesn't play next week. So, Who's fourth? Uh, Fitzpatrick's fourth. Fitzpatrick doesn't play this week. And he's playing next, but again, he's decided not to play. McElroy has moved himself up to fifth spot. Doesn't play this week. Doesn't play next week. Again, he'll, he'll be at the uh, the earth course, assuming he's going to turn up to the earth course, and, and he could be too far behind. So, Rory, so yeah, so, so what we're saying is Rory back in fifth, would need to win, of course, a DP World Tour Championship, and he'll be going off at something like 3-1, to 4-1. to one. Um, And he would have to have all of the other players above him effectively nowhere near the lead to, yeah. to win that race to buy him. Again, it depends. you'd have to work out the ins and outs, the actual mathematics of it, but I suspect by the time we get to that point that yeah. Rory will be too far behind. So Wiesberg has got a bit of an open goal over the next two yes. weeks. Yes, he's got a massive, massive opportunity to to take this forward and uh, and and make it his own. So uh, you know whether that exerts another level of pressure on him. Um, yeah, we shall see. You know, well, a win this week for Shane Lowry would really make it very, very interesting. Yeah, it would. It would. If if Lowry if Lowry were to win or second or third, and Wiesberger were to finish pretty much where he did last week, then that would. Uh, that would open things right up. Okay, um, right. But um, but yeah, and you go a bit further down from there, I don't think these guys, are, you know, Matt Wallace had probably need to, he's in sixth, Wallace had probably need to go win-win to get himself in, in with a chance. Um, Fleetwood's not playing this week, Oosthausen's not playing this week, they're both playing next, but they're both not around this week. And then you look down to the likes of uh, Bobby McIntyre, I mean, from McIntyre to be in ninth spot in this race in Dubai without having won this season, and um, that just shows you how consistent and how strong he has been. Oh yeah, this year. very very good. And Van Royen in tenth. So these guys, I don't, you know, again, McIntyre, Van Royen would need to go win win, I think, to get themselves in yeah, with yeah. a chance of. I doubt doing if it's even on their radar. No, exactly. So I think it's it's all in Bernd Wiesberger's hands by the looks of it. And should he go and because uh, he's playing it next week as well. Should he go and uh, have two strong weeks? Then um, I think that's uh, he'll pretty be pretty much home and hosed but uh, yeah we shall see so we've got three Rolex series events now till the close this being Mm. the first of them the field itself seems a reasonable standard Rose at the uh, Rose heading out 8 to 1 going for a 3 Pete even though it's worth noting that his two previous victories are on a different golf course you've got the American Raider Patrick Reed at 11s then you've got Shane Lowry at 16s Tyrrell 
who, as you said, has crucified his price yes, into a best of 18 to 1. It's a real Matt shame. Wallace, I could have quite Matt Wallace at 20s. Mm. Frankie and Bernd Wiesberger at 22 to 1. Matthias Swab and Robert McIntyre at 28 to 1. Uh, also there with Hao Tong Lee. And then we're down to the likes of Danny Willett at 30 to 1. Alex Naren at 33s. EVR at 33s. Christian Bezwiedenhout at 40s with Victor Perez, Eddie Pepperell, Thomas Peters, and uh, then Kira Deck, Joost Lauten, Martin Keimer. It's a decent event. There's, there's, some very, there's some strong talent in it, undoubtedly. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, for a Rolex series event, it's kind of where you'd expect it to be, I guess. And uh, yeah, I think it speaks volumes that some of these guys who have got a strong and mathematical chance of winning the race to Dubai aren't playing this week, or some of them playing this and not next, or not next and, and this or whatever. But uh, but yeah, we are where we are. But um, as you say, at the very top, Rose going for his uh, hat trick of events is uh, is going to be is going to be a popular boy this week, I think. Um, it's just a case of whether I mean, I've watched a bit of Rose over the last few weeks, and uh, his irons, you know, he, he, ball striking wise with Justin Rose, you expect his irons to be absolutely outstanding, but for me, they've just not quite been there for for quite some time now. Which um, since he take... switched to Honma, his mm. tee to green game is nowhere near where it used to be, is it? No, no, it's absolutely nowhere near. And the bad thing is, he's been putting. Very, very well. His short game has been really strong. He's been putting really, really, really well for for Justin Rose. But, um, you know, if he'd have coupled that stretch where he's been putting well with some decent iron play, then he'd have won all sorts mm. of tournaments. But it's just just not quite been there. So, yeah, I, I've swerved Rose. I'll go into my picks a little bit later when we've gone through the course. But um, he's, uh, he's a tough one to... Um, to go with this week on the strength of his irons. I mean, the fact as well that he's going for this uh, hat-trick or three-peat as it will be described, I'm sure, and, and he'll be joining, joining a very exclusive club should he win three consecutive Turkish Airlines Opens this yeah. week. But, uh, clearly price, that's where the narrative is. Best price eight to one isn't really turning you on, is it, for Justin mm. Rose at the moment? No. No. I, but... I wanted to highlight, Paul, before we crack on, mm. Uh, we we were contacted last week by William Hill, basically saying that they have a very strong new customer offer available, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Wow, this is extremely strong." It's their best ever sign up offer, and you know we've been in the industry ten years, we've never seen William Hill with such a strong new customer offer. No, it's and, it, and it's just interesting this week at Turkey. On the basis that you, they are market leading price on a host of players this week: Shane Lowry, Matt Wallace, Francesco Molinari, Bernd Wiesberger, uh, Matthias Swab, McIntyre that we've mentioned, Eddie Pepperell. Um, one of your one of your selections is also. I'm not going to. I was almost going to spoil. Is <laughs> also out of best price with them. Um, so it's not as if um, that there's no reason to actually have an account with them this week because they are outstanding on odds this week at the Turkish Airlines Open. But this new customer offer, which is available at Golf Betting System website, of course, there's a link in the description box through to GB, uh, through to Golf Betting System. They're offering a 100% free matched bet. Now, their standard offer has always been bet 10, get 30 in free bets. Um, 
But this offer is a 100% free match bet, and this is the great bit, up to £100 or €100 Euros if you're in the Republic of Ireland. Very it's strong. outrageously strong. And it's only running until the 14th of November, so you've yeah. got a little over a week for um, that particular deal. So if you're interested in using it for the golf, then um, this week or next, and then that will be a lot. They split that it is, into four... Yeah different um four equal sized free bets so if you do the full 100 pounds or 100 euros then you'll get four 25 or 20 25 euro 25 pound free bets um that's right for which lasts for 30 days which is yeah. generous so yeah 100 percent free match bet with william hill up to 100 pounds or 100 euros for the for you in the republic of ireland um it's a superb offer key terms of course and uh T's and C's available at Golf Betting System. But I thought it was worth highlighting that, Paul, because that, with William Hill, as you said, available until um, middle of November. So you've got to be quick, and that is their record-beating new customer sign-up yep. in, in very, their history. Very, very strong, as you're saying. Uh, well worth a look if you haven't got a William Hill account already. So, uh, but yes, yeah, good spot, Steve, good spot. Where are we um, heading then, Paul? Where are we heading? This week, yeah. the Montgomery Max Royal. The Montgomery Max Royal, as you said, it hosted the events um, for the first three times of this particular Turkish Airlines Open when it was hosted between 2013 and 2015. Um, 78-man field, no cut, so um, you won't lose your players after two poor rounds on uh, Thursday, Friday, although they may, may be nowhere near actually getting into the mix by that point if they've had a bad start. Um, but yeah, back to the Montgomery Max. It's um, The first three events were won by Victor Dubisson um, 2013, Brooks Kepka in 2014, and then Dubisson won again in 2015. So clearly Victor liked what he saw. They're, they're his only two European Tour wins. In fact, he's only mm. two professional wins that he's achieved, both on this track back in the day. Um, so looking through Victor's history and where he's played other decent tracks is not a bad start, starting point this week, actually, to see what it is that uh, might correlate well with him as a player and this particular track. It's yeah. a 7,133-yard par 72. It's a resort course. Um, it's got flood, flood-lit fairways on some of the holes as well. It's, it attracts players from all over the world to come and play. So... It is one of those um, kind of holiday destinations for avid golfers. And I know a number of the play- uh, members on our Facebook group have played it as well over the last few years, so it's clearly popular. Uh, resort track, Bentgrass Greens, you need to bring a putter with you because you need to get somewhere in the region of 20 under. The three winning scores here have been 24 under, 17 under and 22 under the last time that Dubison won in 2015. Now, the main reason for that, the main reason the scoring gets so low is there are five par fives and five attackable par fives here. Um, 72 setups, so there's par five par fives, also five par threes, so slightly different to a standard setup. Just going back to Victor, the last time he played, 2015, he was 16 under par for the par fives over the course of the week. So you've got to absolutely annihilate these par fives. To stand a chance of um, winning or compiling a competitive score here this week, 
Um, there's pine trees, water in play, but really it's relatively wide. It's a second shot course for me. Um, and as I say, the key aspects, I think, are going to be finding your way to make a score on these par fives. Winning, winning, just to give you an idea of the winning um, odds of the players that have won this particular event so far. So going back to the first three that were held here, uh, Dubison won 80 to 1 in 2013. Kepka won his first European Tour event yeah. in uh, 30, uh, 2014 at 33 to 1 yeah. after a spell of decent form. You're not getting 33 to 1 anymore about uh, no, Kepka, that's for sure. But it's interesting that 2013 and 2014 results, they were basically two of maidens. Both they were, yeah. winners. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's an angle I'm taking with, mm. with a selection. But yes, yeah, yeah, both it's, of mine, it's, certainly, yeah, okay. certainly something to, to to grab onto with that. Yeah. Uh, Dubison won again in 2015, 45 to one. Um, Chuborn Olsen won in 2016 when they moved to a different track. Then the last two events have been won by Justin Rose at eight to one, and then Rose defended last year at a paltry nine to two. So um, those are the last three that have been held elsewhere. And of course, we're back now to the uh, track that hosted the first three. So well worth bearing in mind if you're looking at the event stats on the site for this particular week. Um, greens and regulations tended to be the key stat here. 2015, it was a little bit firmer, so the greens were more difficult to hold. But even so, the scoring was still deep. It was still 22 under. Um, I don't think it'll be quite as firm this week. Um, we had rain over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, okay. rain. It rained yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, rained, it rained yesterday. It's, there's a bit, bit of drizzle around this morning, mm. Tuesday morning. And then from the, there on in, the forecast looks set fair. It looks like it's going to brighten up. The temperature's going to be up to around about 80 degrees Fahrenheit in the afternoons. It's going to be calm, sunny, beautiful golfing weather. And when you've got a lush, or relatively lush, course underfoot from that recent rain wow. I suspect the, the scoring is going to be just as deep as we've seen it over the last uh, last few years and just looking at your statistics here you said 2015 was quite firm and the GIR numbers collapsed but mm. you look at 2013 now Victor de Buisson was fifth for greens in regulation at 86 percent so you <laughs> could be you could be seeing a scenario this year but where the Top quality ball strikers are hitting ninety percent greens in regulation. Yeah, quite possible. That's quite madness. Possible. So it's not a difficult golf course, is it? No, no, it isn't. It's going to be. It's going to be about uh, strokes gained on approach. Because I think you're going to need to be getting yourself into good scorable position. Yeah. You don't want to be making thirty footers to make your birdie every time. You've got to no. be attacking those pins. But the pins should be wholly attackable this week. So, mm. yeah, you're going to have to have your, your shooting boots, your scoring boots on this week, I think, to uh, to get yourself into the into the upper echelons of the leaderboard come Sunday afternoon. Um, just looking at the incoming form of the winners in this particular track, Dubison and Kepka both um, had at least a top four finish in their last three starts for the first two events. Um, Victor's form was a bit patchier the second time round, so there's, they're, they're the three that have won here. Only going back to Olsen, he'd missed eight miscut, missed eight cuts out of eleven starts um, when he won in 2015 on a different track. Justin Rose, the last two two years, you could have, uh, you could, your granny could have picked him really from the uh, from the form, um, because he was absolutely you know, tearing trees up before he arrived here, but. 
you clearly had to take a, a, a huge compromise on the price if you'd have gone for Rose the last two years, but he's obliged both times. I don't think he's in quite the same nick this year, and eight to one is the same kind of same kind of price he won out a couple of years back. So each for their own, I guess. I mean, for me, it's a second shot course. You need to maximise greens. You need to have strong strokes gained on approach, and your par five scoring needs to be very strong. I mean, I've looked at players who've been scoring well on the par fives recently. I've also looked at those who've been, you know, got a more general longer term trend with par five scoring as well. And I think either way, you're going to need to be able to um, confidently attack the par fives here um, to really get yourself into into a position to contend. I think that's going to be the crux of it from what I can see. For me, I've I've narrowed it down to four this week, and I've been let down by a couple of these shorter prices over the last few weeks. I don't tend to like to back the the shorter prices, but I've kind of been reeled in by the likes of Matt Wallace and then Hideki last week, and both of them flattered to deceive, finishing just outside the places, which was no good. As soon as I backed them, both win only anyway. But um, you know, they're both. They've both been in a position where they could have contended had uh, they strung four decent days together, but alas, they didn't. So I've kind of veered away from that a little bit. And Rose, we've talked about, um, I, I can't go near him at that price given the way that his um, irons have been played. The, the one that I came closest to at the top end of the market was Tyrrell Hatton, who I backed last week. And that flying finish of 65. Um, has clearly put him on the radar for um, for the bookies and for the punters alike. But um, yeah, eighteen to one and being backed in quite heavily. He's been tipped up as well from what I've seen. Um, I I just couldn't quite pull the trigger with him this week. I must say at the top of the market. So do you think at the top of the market, Steve, was really one vaguely interesting for you? Um, if you'd have asked me a question, you know, first thing when the the one the one that my my first reaction was would be win only on Patrick Reed, and then I look at Patrick Reed and I look at the way he wins and I look at the form that he wins off. He doesn't tend to win off top ten. No, he actually tends to win off, and, and he did exactly the same this year. I think he was fifth in Detroit. I then tipped him up the week after at Wyndham or the, the outing after at the Wyndham. He finished like fortieth, and then he won the outing after when I didn't tip him up. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with Reed. I think he tends to win off of something that's not overly substantial inbound from a result perspective. I could actually see Reed stepping up and winning the DP World Tour Championship at a better price. Yeah. Probably coming off something pretty average this week. I would have thought he's there for one reason and one reason only, a big fat check. Yeah. Because I would have thought Justin Rose and Patrick Reed are getting rather a lot of uh, revenue coming into their bank accounts from Turkish Airlines, who aren't shy when it comes to sponsoring top-level sport, you know, their links with Barcelona or whatever. But no, uh, Hatton would have been half-tempting, but I don't like the price at all. I think Matt Wallace has got some serious issues. Francesco Molinari, his his tee to green game has gone away completely, which is his strength. And I'm not sure about Burn at the moment because, as we were discussing at the top end, he's under a bit of pressure now, isn't he? You know, he's yeah. raced a Dubai leader and he's got a big opportunity this week. And he probably knows in the in the, in the dark recesses of his mind that if he finished in the say top ten, top twelve the next two weeks, he's in a very nice situation unless somebody does something out of complete yeah. craziness. 
and he and he finishes last at the DP World Tour Championship. We saw Tommy Fleetwood a few years ago kind of not win the race to Dubai with huge form. It was just time of 11th place here and 12th place there. He'd done all the winning earlier on in the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, so in answer to your question, no. <laughs> no, I, no, I think I, I kind of came to the same conclusion. And, you know, had I gone with one, it would have been Tyrrell. But as I say, having been burnt over the last couple of weeks with a couple of relatively short prices, I've, mm. I've veered away. So um, that's, that's probably the fatal mistake of this week. If uh, if you fancy a bit of Tyrrell Hatton, probably time to lump on. But I've, I've started a little bit further down. Um, I've got a couple of mid price players. Firstly, Victor Perez. Who won the Dunhill Links a, a few weeks back to uh, to break his maiden on the European Tour? And perhaps there's this link to the Dunhill Links actually. If you look through both Kepka and Dubuisson, and both of them have got top ten finishes at the Dunhill Links. In fact, they've got five top tens from eleven combined starts between yeah. them. So perhaps there's a, a nice little form link between the two um, two events there. I mean, Perez won at St Andrews. And still looks hungry. I mean, there was this whole backstory with him at St Andrews, wasn't there? And from what I can see, there's not um, not the same kind of story here this week. But uh, unless something comes out of the woodwork over the next few days, um, we shall see. But he still looks hungry. I'm 16th at the Gulf National at the French Open, fourth last week at Shishan at the WGC on his WGC uh, debut. That really did catch the eye. He opened with 65, he closed with 66. Critically for me, he led the field for par five scoring last week, which, as I've said, I think is going to be a really important um, aspect to this particular week. A decent driver, 300-yard driver, 13th for strokes gain approach for the season today, and that fits very, very nicely for me. 58th in the world now after last week's effort, and that's, that's an outstanding effort for a rookie. You know, he could get into the top 50 by the end of the year with one more decent week. Um, between now and uh, the end of Dubai in a couple of weeks' time. And that will be a huge return for a player in his rookie season. Um, and that also puts him, I mean, the, the win itself at the Dunhill Links puts him in the you know, the outside frame for the uh, Henry Cotton Rookie of the Year award. But should he win this week, next week or in Dubai, then Guido and Kurt Kijama are the two that really are um, looking to, to win that particular Accolade, and um, are going to find there's a third name on the list, and that will make that decision a very, very interesting one as well. I think so. Mm. Be interesting to see how motivated he is for that kind of thing. But I think you know, 58th in the world has got to be a massive motivation for him. And you know, coming off the form from last week, uh, I thought 45 to one was was well worth taking the chance on with Victor Victor Perez to become the third victor to be victorious at the Montgomery Max from four stars. We shall see, eh? Um, secondly, Kiradek Afibarnrat, same price, 45 to 1. Now, if we talk about the Daniel Links as potentially containing a, a link to this particular track, listen to this list of names. Justin Rose, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenson, Andy Sullivan, Danny Willett, Rory McIlroy. All of those players were in the contention or semi-contention for the three events that were played here between 2013 and 2015. All of those names I've just mentioned have either won or have finished second at the Earth course over the years. Very, very strong link there. I mean, you could argue that it's a 
kind of almost self-fulfilling prophecy because those same players are going to be playing a lot of those same events as the season's come to a close. But it appears to me there's a little bit more in it than that. Even Dubison has finished three times in the top four at the Earth Course over the years and clearly he's won twice on this particular track. So um, I did have a good look through at form of the players in this week's field versus how they've performed over the um, Earth Course or at the Earth Course over the years. And one of those really did stick out to me and that is Afi Barnrat who's finished second and ninth the last two times that he's played on the uh, at the earth course and uh, he's got yeah. a little bit of form here but a sneaky form here as well um finished third here back in 2015 where he putted particularly well and it's not been a great year for for the uh, for the tie he started as a pga tour member you'll remember at the start of the year third in mexico fifth at the byron nelson but not a great deal since, really, until he got to the CJ Cup a few weeks back and finished eighth behind uh, Justin Thomas in a decent field. Slipped out of the world top 50 now, so really needs to uh, start uh, to, to, to get his finger out if he's going to be back in by the end of the end yeah. of the year. But but that eighth, that's uh, that's a good positive sign for him. Um, and fourth for ball striking that week, decent on the par five. So there's lots of positives to have drawn from that uh, sneaky that CJ Barnard. Cup. He's the yeah, one. He he's, he's one that's going to start to trend because he has to. I think you know if he if he wants that um, if he wants that invite dropping in on his uh, Thai mansion doormat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before it's, Christmas, um, he he needs to get top fifty, and we've seen it so many times. All of a sudden, for you know, and we've seen it with Tyrrell Hatton. Um, it's coming mm. uh, because it has to happen. Otherwise, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of pain early on next season, uh, uh, next year, and a lot of worry. About getting into the into the Masters, so yeah, yeah, I can I can see Kira Deck. Seems he's, to be his kind of winning target as well. He he really does like a birdie fest, doesn't he? He does, Kira yeah, Deck. yeah. And when he, when he's playing well, then you often see him in this kind of eighty six percent greens regulation number. It's the kind oh, of yeah, 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 you yeah, know yeah, yeah. how I'd associate him with a, a, a strong week. And he's, he's a he's a great putter when he's playing when he's playing well as well. So. The fact that he's also finished third here, um, and he did putt well that particular week as well, as I just mentioned. Then I think um, I think there's lots to like about he, him. Did he play last week in um, Shanghai? Uh, no, I've got the CJ Cup as his last start. Oh, I so. think that's a real advantage this week. And mm. you know, what you're talking about? Well, listen to this. I looked at the three winners of this in that 2013-2015 period. Mm. If you look at uh, Victor Dubuisson in 2013. Um, he had played the BMW Masters in China a fortnight before, uh, and he'd had one appearance in the month leading up to this Turkish Airlines Open. So quite lightly rested, yeah? Yeah. Brooks Kepka, he'd had one appearance in the month on the build-up, which again happened to be at that point the four, uh, BMW Masters. Uh, he'd finished 48th. De Buisson had finished 44th, so no, no great. But if you look either side of that, they'd actually... Um, as you said, they had, uh, I think Kepka had finished in the top five or six on the PGA Tour a couple of times. Yeah, De Bruyson yeah. had, had, had had some nice results building into that. Um, De Bruyson, the last time he won, had played in Hong Kong the week before, finished 32nd. But he'd actually had three weeks prior uh, with no yeah. golf. So lightly rested, I think, yeah. is an angle here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at these players. I mean, I was, I was pretty sweet on Kurt Kitayama. And then you just look at the guy. He's played something like five or six weeks straight. Yeah. 
and he's played in Europe, he's played, uh, he's played in America, he's played in Asia. And that's got to be taking its toll by now. Particularly at this point in the season, the fatigue factor can really start to Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Not just the physical game, but the mental game as well, just getting yourself up for you know, contending, competing week in, week out. Can, uh, it can burn some players out, I think, at this point in the season. So, so yeah, no, it's a nice little angle there. I do, I do, do think that could be a, an element for this particular then, week as then well. Then you look at De Buisson and Kepka, 13 and 14. Both hadn't won on the PGA, uh, on the European Tour. They hadn't, they ha- they hadn't had a, 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 t- a main tour victory between the two of them. Mm. Even though Kepka, the year that he won... Uh, in 2014, had finished in the top four at the US Open that year. Yeah, and it just pushed me in one direction. It <laughs> one direction. It pushed me to Robert McIntyre, who mm. I just. You mentioned it earlier in the pod, uh, and you've mentioned it in your commentary in, in the preview, which of course uh, everyone can link to uh, or, or read through via the uh, description uh, box. But his form this year is outstanding. Second at the British Masters, second at the Made in Denmark, sixth at the Open Championship. So he's had a top six in a major this year. Second at the Porsche European Open, fourth at the Italian Open. And then he had a, a week off a week off after the Italian Open. Uh, then um, uh, what did he? Let's just get this right. He had a week off after, or two weeks off after the Italian Open. Went out to the HSBC last week, his first WGC. Finished top 20. Brilliant. Yeah, not as good as Victor Perez, I grant you that. Or Matthias Swab, get gathered, I granted. But actually, rounds in there, 69 in round two. A closing 67 in round four. Very nice close. Arrives here, pretty lightly rested. Um, and I just think the course is going to suit him. Aggressive off the tee and a and his strength of his game is his strokes gained approach. Mm. Third for that in the Czech Masters. Ninth for that at the European Open. First for strokes gained approach at Wentworth. He was also eighth for strokes gained approach last week in Shanghai. I think 28 to 1. I think it was the price that put you off. I've actually yeah. backed him on Betfair Exchange at 35s. Robert McIntyre. I think he's due a win this season. And at an event where two of the three winners are on a course where... And that's the kind of thing I f- you might find here, that a really top-grade tour maiden actually comes along and steals this. Yeah, and he's, he's one of the, the most eligible in that respect, isn't he? Everyone can see that he's well Yeah, well uh, at that price point, I, 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 just looking at the way that the tournament has been in the previous renewals here, uh, the form in... I would take him personally over someone like Hao Tong Lee or Danny Willett, mm. who I think Willett, again, I had a good look at Willett, but you just look at his career. When he gets a big victory, doesn't tend to back that up with anything win-wise for a few months afterwards. No. Uh, so that put me off Willett. So yeah, Robert McIntyre, that's 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 the one towards the top of the betting that I've, that I've personally plumped on. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't disagree. And he's, um, you know, I'm just staring at my analysis while you were talking here. And the only thing that did put me off was the price. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've marked here that I, I my target price was forty to one, so he's not hit that. But um, yeah, I, it's difficult to to argue against what you said. And the other aspect, which is really positive with him, is that relative to the players in this field, he was second for par five scoring last week at the WGC. Was he? 
beaten only by Victor Perez, who I put up. But uh, but yeah, Perez was eleven under for the par fives. McIntyre was nine under, and then everyone, everyone looked, else in this you field. Know, as we watched it last week, that must mean that he's he's hitting the ball quite accurately off the tee and finding lots of fairways to yeah. then be able to go in two for those holes over in Shazam. Absolutely. So yeah. your 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 lock your long irons or your your three woods and five woods when you're in position to use them are also performing particularly well mm. to put yourself in in position to get up and around these par five greens and that is going to be absolutely critical yeah. this week. So yeah, I, I can't I can't fault or dip put a put a, a negative spin on McIntyre at all. It was purely the price, but uh, but yeah, if you fancy a bit of twenty eight, as Steve said, there's a little bit more available on the exchange if you. Uh, Fancy, um, yeah, I'm on the exchange at 35s because, as you said, actually the 28. I, th- I think the bookmakers are very wary of McIntyre, mm. so I've I've just gone on the exchange and hopefully he gets off to a start, and then you can take a view on 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 your position on that. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know that you've gone for two more at triple digits, which will get the listeners uh, intently listening, especially after you had a a decent score at 125 to one the other week with Walters in Portugal. Mm. Indeed. Who yeah. are the two that you've plumped for this week at triple digits? So, the first of the two is Guido Migliozzi, the <laughs> talented Guido, <laughs> the talented Italian who is I, still still being underrated in my view. Yeah. I, mean, I I looked at this and the kind of player that I think would go well, um, an, an Adrian Arnaus kind of player could go particularly well this week. But you look at Arnaus, he's around about forty five fifty to one. Guido, who's won twice already this year on tour, is twice the price. Yeah. I picked him up at 110 to 1 yesterday. And he's nib- been nibbled in a little bit. There's still lots of 100 to 1 around about. Yeah. Um, and as I say, he's won twice this season. He's, he's got three more Alps tour wins. He's only 22, the lad. Um, and he's won five times on his combined tours. And he knows how to get the job done. And um, what, you're, what you find with these young, inexperienced players is they can be inconsistent. And if you look at his results, they are inconsistent. There's miscuts interspersed with these wins and some better finishes. But generally, he's relatively disadvantaged when he's coming to these courses because players will have you know racked up 6, 8, 10, 15 years' worth of history behind him. But um, given that they've only played this three times here at the Montgomery Max and it's not been played for the last three years, I think there's less disadvantage for a player like him this week than, than there has been. And again, if you look at the places where he's performed well when he's seen him for the first time um, over the last few weeks, 7th at the Porsche European Open, 14th at the Portugal Masters, both of those are tracks that appeal to a player who is going to be more aggressive and, um, and more willing to go for these, these longer holes. And I think that he can use that aggression this week and really attack his, um, this particular course. And the when he his last start was at Portugal, and that was his best iron performance for three months. He was second for the par fives that week, ninth for strokes gained approach for the season. All of those stats are exactly the kind of thing that I'm looking for this week, and a hundred and say a hundred to one that you can still get about Guido this week. Mm-hmm. I think is well worth taking on. And finally, I've gone for the Japanese sensation Masahiro Kawamura, who's um. Bizarrely, the same price this week as he was last week, 175 to 1. Yet he finished 22nd last week at WGC level. Um, decent performance over the weekend. He shot 66-69 over the weekend, which combined is a combined score exactly the same as the eventual winner of Rory McIlroy. Um, yet 
he's still 175 to 1, the same price as he was the previous week. I, I couldn't quite fathom that, so I've just snaffled that up. And he's only got one one career win to date so far, but three runner-up finishes last year on the Japan Tour, he's finished second, so getting another runner-up finish this year at the Indian Open. He's getting closer and closer. Seventh at the Spanish Open last month behind John Rahm. He's decent form. And if you look at his last five starts, he's twice produced 12 under par performances on the par fives in his last five starts. So he's hitting, scoring well, playing well on the par fives. And um, I think overall at the price, he's well worth taking on. 54th currently in the race to Dubai. Top 60 gets through to the Dubai World Championships. So there's going to be a little bit of jostling for position on those final few slots over the next two weeks. So... A decent week here would absolutely cement his position and uh, allow him to go and book his plane fare for that uh, that final hurrah in Dubai in a couple of weeks' time. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're my four. Masahiro Karamura, Guido Migliozzi, Kiridek Afibara and Victor Perez. I know that you're incredibly excited about the, uh, about the Japanese sensation. <laughs> I think you'll go well. I do yeah. think you'll go well. Underrated, and you do get that with Japanese players for some reason. Yeah, underrated and overpriced. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So any anyone else you fancied other than uh, Bobby? Uh, yes. Um, you mentioned him. Uh, the price is uh, it's just about okay for me, but I just think um, Andre Arnoux is going to absolutely love this track. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit. Uh, I'm urinating on your strawberries. To uh, <laughs> uh, no. it's just the way I, I'm thinking it. Second at the Kenyan Open, um, second at the Alan and Lucia Masters. So second um, around Valderrama tells you something that this boy is a cracking golfer. Yeah. Um, even though you know his his main weapon is his power and power and approach. Um, very very strong off the tee. Second at the Czech Masters, sixth at the European Masters at Kram. Um, you said about the DP World Tour Championship. You also mentioned definitely the Dunhill links, and I saw those links. I also saw a link to Kram if you actually look at Dubuisson mm. and also at Kepka, who had two top tens there around yeah. Kram. Um, he was sixth there this year um, on Andre. Fourth at the uh, Spanish Open, so two home events this year, second and fourth. Shows that the guy's got some fortitude. Last two events, nothing major. Um, I think he was expected to go well in Portugal. He didn't. Um, but probably just the golf course didn't suit him. It was firm, it was fast. Although saying that, we, see him go, we saw him go very well in very dry conditions in Kenya. But that mm. was a very short course. I just get the feeling, soft golf course, a golf course that's got five par fives, um, a golf course that um, is going to be playing soft. I, I, I went a simple, Paul. I went to the predictor model. Par 5 scoring, um, greens in regulation, and mid-range driving distance, and he was in the top six on the yeah. predictor, Andre Onyes. So I just thought 45 to 1. That And also, just the way, as I said, fairly well-rested, hasn't had any of this stuff out in Asia. Last last time out in Portugal, he had a fortnight off before that, uh, be, yeah. between that and Italian Open. He'll be going there quite fresh. Um, and I just think that that, again, looking at what's happened at this tournament in the past, you go, oh dear, Andre Alnus has popped up with a big win. 
He's the kindest player that, of that quality. I personally would take him this week over Kitayama, who I think is he must be getting close to empty in the field tank. Yeah, no, I think that's a very valid point, the the kind of fatigue factor that you're going to get from, yeah. from players. I've been stringing these events together one after the other, and as you said, it's, it's the jet setting as well, isn't it? It's Mate. the changing body clock. It's It must be absolutely, it must annihilate you. Yeah. Week after week after week. I mean, put, putting the clocks uh, clocks back by an hour just uh, takes its toll on me. Uh, let alone uh, let alone doing what these guys do to their body week in week out. But uh, and it's also it's also that maiden tag. You know that that's the angle I, I'm going on this. And you know clearly, I, I think you're struggling to find two better maidens in this event than Kurt Kitayama and uh, uh, sorry as Robert McIntyre. Mm. And Andre Onis. Just looking at Kitayama, um, he has been in the last. He played Wentworth. He played. Uh, he then went to Las Vegas, missed the cut, came back to Italy, then played France, and then last week um, he was over in China. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a, it must take a toll on you. But anyway, you'll probably find he wins, and um, that'll be the way. We've also we've had a sneaky bet, haven't we, between the two of us on the Japan Golf Tour event, mm. the Hiwa PGM Championship. Indeed, yeah, good spot from yourself, Steve. Uh, who's what's the name of this chap we've had? I should really know on the basis I put a bet on him, but they're all very similar. These names, I think, Yusuke Asahi. Yeah. I think your logic's good because if you look through the performances at the back end of last week at the WGC, then um, his final round performance was as good as anyone in the field. Best in it? the field with Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah, 65 he shot on the Sunday. Um, twice a winner on the Japan Tour already this season. Yeah. And he's priced in this Japan Tour field at 125 to 1. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that bet, Steve. So if... That comes in. Um, I'll be buying you a pint or two, I think, on that. Uh, on I've that had a basis. little tickle each way on Yusuke Asahi. Or Asagi. I don't know if you say the J. But yes, that, that price looks wrong. I mean, I kept scrolling down, scrolling, I'm thinking, well, he can't be playing. And then I got to 125 to 1 and said, mm, yeah, he's playing. Mm. So yeah, I, I couldn't resist that. You'll probably find uh, he misses the cut. Or I don't know if it's a cut event. Oh, it look, might not be, but... Yes, he's clearly playing some fantastic golf right now, and, and if he's a two-time winner on that tour this year, um, he, 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 there must be something about the lad. Yeah, there you go. A, a, a bonus Japan Tour tip as well. Yeah, Triple amazing, digits. Amazing stuff, eh? It all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> right, okay. Paul, I appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thank you. Best of luck this week. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to listeners. Uh, we will be back again, of course, next week for, I believe you've got the Nedback Challenge in South Africa. Yep. And I have got the Maya Coba Classic in Cancun in Mexico. So two decent events next week to get stuck mm. into. Thanks for listening again. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. Enjoy your betting this week, and we'll be back again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>